One, two, three, score! Our fitty don't mess around. Yes, he played it slow, and so we paid less dough. Uh, so Sam is a goner. Can't wait to see our new offense score. Uh, let's try to find our ceiling, because our line alone has me hyped right now. Let's pray for CMC for sticking twos together, and we need him now. Come on, Two seven FNC. <laughs> oh, the hack song of the week. Oh, uh, when he when he hits, he hits big. And good God, that was a Aaron Judge five hundred foot home run by Hacksaw Hellbig celebrating the Baker Mayfield trade. I knew. I knew the second I heard what the song was going to be. I knew what the chorus was going to be. And I waited like a kid on Christmas Eve, begging his parents to open his presents early for the, for, I won't even, I won't even sully that, uh, that hack song with a attempt at singing the way he just sang Baker. Send in your grade, 704-570-9610. On the Hack Song of the Week, you're going to hear it again at 11, at noon, and at 1.40, and then Hacksaw will join us for his grade. And I don't know, I might I might anoint him as mayor of Charlotte for that performance, but uh, we got a lot to get into. Adam the Bull going to be joining us of, uh, of Cleveland Sports Radio fame. We'll be talking about the Baker Mayfield trade uh, at uh, 11.20. All right, the show will move on, and we will talk with Nick Ashu of BetQL and CBS Sports Radio, and then at 1220, Zach Gelb, Temple fanatic, Temple alum, and also of CBS Sports Radio. Uh, we'll get his thoughts on the Baker Mayfield trade. But uh, we were debating, do we lead with the do we lead with a hack song today? Because I have some very serious news, some very good news for the Wilson family, but some very serious news to relate to you guys. And the reality is, my greatest hope, my 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 biggest fear with leading with a hack song is that it was going to come out and land like a wet fart. Is that Hacksaw was going to give us one of his C performances that occasionally pop up and trying to segue from that into something uh, genuine, heartfelt, and, you know, forthright would be very difficult. Instead, I feel safe. A good hack song makes me feel at home and it makes me feel safe. And that is going to be the talking point of the first part of this show today. So, talk sports guy, I'm going to need you to hit the bricks for about 20 minutes. Because uh, you're about to hear some a little bit of self-indulgent radio. Uh, I'll just start with the news, which is next Friday will be my last show on Sports Radio 92.7 FNC. Uh, the reality is uh, a spot opened up on the station that I grew up on as a professional, as a radio professional on 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland. 
and they they have made me a very generous and heartfelt offer to come home and take over afternoons. Anybody who knows has heard me talk about Cleveland. Uh, even though I'm here, I've never once I will never slander my hometown. I have a lot of love. It's where I grew for my love of small market and that station specifically. Um, th- those are just my people. So I you know I am going home, but I want to take you back. As we start to where we are now and where where I'm going, I want to take you guys back to the start for me in Charlotte. Because I haven't talked a lot about it. I think people, if anybody, any of my Cleveland listeners are listening right now, they kind of know the backstory of where I was when I made the decision to leave for, for Charlotte. And, you know, radio people will look at my decision and say, well, I did nights in Cleveland and then I got to do a day part. That's radio jargon for a show during the day when the lights are on. And that is a logical move, right? There's more money in it. There's more prestige in it. But the reality is um, my last six months in Ohio and really my last probably three and a half years in Ohio before we got to move down here were really difficult for the Wilson family. Um, You know, I don't think I've. I don't really remember if I've even talked about this in in great detail. Uh, my wife and I were the primary caretakers for my grandma in the final four or five years of her life, and my grandma had um, Alzheimer's, and she had dementia, and that included at one point uh, aphasia, where she lost the ability to communicate, um, and really, anybody that's ever been a caretaker for somebody. Um, for a family member specifically, knows that you lose a part of yourself or a part of yourselves in this process because you can't grieve the loss of a family member the way other people can because you're taking care of them. So you are equal parts family member and caretaker and you your, your feelings, your thoughts, your needs get pushed to the side. Now, I'm not here to tell you, I would not take that time back for anything because one the lessons that i learned are things that have made me a much better human being um and i also i also know that although we were not perfect my wife and i put our entire hearts and all of our love into taking care of my grandma but after three years of that and three and a half years of working opposite schedules i worked nights my wife worked during the day after working round the clock from you know 1 1 a.m. when I got home and went to sleep till 6 a.m. 7 a.m. when I woke up with the kids got them ready for school and then took care of grandma and my wife did the opposite of that but again we're talking 18 to 20 hour days unrelenting on top of being a young family with not a lot of money and so to start at the beginning of the Charlotte decision it, we were looking to to start over we were looking to rise from the phoenix, or rise from the ashes. I'll, I'll mix my metaphor some other time. And we were hurt. We had, you know, our relationship was not in the best position. Um, I don't know that my kids got the best version of their parents during that time. We were also taking care of my grandma while trying to teach my kids potty training and how to ride a bike and how to tie your shoes. And so the family that showed up in July of 2018 was very much trying to find itself. And it is to the immense credit of this station, 
to the immense credit of you, the listeners, of you, the charlatans, whether you've been here one day, right, whether you're the newbie like I was four years ago, or whether you've been here for the whole ride of Nick Wilson when it was Wilson and Parcel, or when it was Wilson and Norfleet, or when it was any of the times it's been the Nick Wilson show, it is to the immense credit of this town that the goal was to heal and find ourselves. The goal was to learn how to, to have a balanced life. The goal was to be a more present father. The goal was to be healthier. The goal was to take more vacations and experience life. Because, I, guys, I don't think my wife and I lived for a little bit there. We simply survived. And this town and the people in this town and you, the listeners, have helped me do that. With every Baker Mayfield rant, with, uh, with every on-air <laughs> squabble I might have had with a partner, um, with every moment, every success, every failure, I've been able to find balance. I've been able to understand and become a better father and a better husband. I've been able to reconnect with my nuclear family, my, my beautiful wife, Vanessa, and our three kids. And so it's really bittersweet to be saying goodbye. And I'm not, this will not be the entire show today. Next Friday will be my last show again. I am leaving the station to go home to 92.3 The Fan. But I'm sharing this to say, and, and I wanted to make sure I got this out, that Charlotte was everything I hoped it was. And the things that, and I'm, I'm going to have a lot of time to talk about this stuff, the things that I'm going to miss most are a group of guys on this station and in, in this building, a group of people who have survived about as rough of a time in this business as you possibly could during the pandemic, being uh, sold from our previous station owners during the pandemic, having three bosses in four years, losing uh, one of our very own in Mark Seidel, losing another one of our very own in Dar Darren Arians, and all the while, Chris McLean, Travis T-Bone Hancock, myself, KB, when Fleet was here, when uh, Parcel was here, when all the people that have made this, and I, I don't want to leave anybody out because we've had a, he the reason we've survived is guys like Hacksaw, Itty Bitty Fitty, Smoke, Flounder, Preppy. I know Julian Council was here. Like, that's another reason why we survived. But I'm, I am walking away. I'm going back to be with my people, both in radio and where I'm from. And that's a very strong pull for me. But it's tough to be saying goodbye to people that you survived the very worst with. That you survived when you didn't know if you were going to survive. To the guys on this station, I am internally, eternally, eternally indebted. Because when we didn't have a boss, we kept each other afloat. For six months, in between Hitman and our, and our old boss, Terry Fox, we kept each other afloat. And we lost a lot. And there was a lot of worry. And we tried our best to deliver you something to be your distraction. And humbly, I don't know if it's humble if I'm going to say it like this, humbly, I think we did that. And I think we've done that for four years. So I know I've got a lot more goodbyes to say. But... My biggest question in all of this was, have I come to Charlotte? Have I done 
what I came to Charlotte to do. And my, my family is healed. My kids are happy and excited to be going home. My wife is in a better spot. Her career's in a better spot. My career's in a better spot. My family's in a better spot. And that's a lot of luck. Because had we gone to the wrong town, I don't know it would be the same way. This is a special place. And it will always be a part of my heart. So that is the news. Nick Wilson is going home. We've got five more shows next week. One more show this week. Oh, guys, you have no idea. But you might have an idea. Keeping that secret. Especially for me, because I really pride myself on being authentic and, and upright. There were a lot of people that, that were impacted by this decision, so I couldn't just open my big mouth about it. But it feels good to be finally uh, finally being able to say it on air, even if it also feels insanely bittersweet to be saying goodbye. Adam the Bull, my guy from Cleveland, is going to be joining us coming up in about uh, eight minutes here. We'll get into the Baker Mayfield trade. Nick Ashu, another one of my guys. This show is full of my guys today. Uh, he'll be joining us at 1120. Zach Gelb of CBS Sports Radio at 1220. And we got five questions. We got the gold brick ceremony coming up at one. We're going to be celebrating the moments that almost got, uh, got us thrown off the air today. But that is the news of today. The news of this week has been Baker Mayfield. Adam the Bull will give his thoughts on saying goodbye to Baker in Cleveland on Sports Radio 92.7 FNC. It's a lot to learn, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, we, we heard all spring that that's what, what Darnold and Matt Corral were trying to do with the Ben McAdoo offense. So it won't be easy, but I think it could be done. Sports Radio 92.7 FNC, that was Panthers reporter Joe Person on the show yesterday talking about the timing of the Baker Mayfield trade. Uh, July 6th, you don't see a lot of trades involving potential starting quarterbacks on July 6th. And you certainly don't see it from good organizations. But here we are. We are talking about the Cleveland Browns and the Carolina Panthers and this trade. And I would like to, to tell everybody, um, because my mentions, I went on the, my old station in, in Cleveland at uh, 7 a.m. With, with Ken Carmen and Anthony Lima uh, to announce this, that I am uh, going back home to be rejoining 92.3 The Fan in afternoons. Uh, my, my final day here will be next Friday. But... Uh, so I've been I, my mentions since then have just I I cannot keep up with them. That's not a humble brag. Now I feel like a douche for saying that. Um, it's just so I want to let you guys know I am seeing absolutely everything people are sending in the Garage Door Guru text line. I'm seeing everything that you're sending in on Twitter or Facebook or if you want to slide into them DMs at Nick Wilson says hit them DMs girl. Uh, feel free, but no, please no. I am seeing it all. I am very t I'm emotionally exhausted. And I still have three and a half hours to work with. So uh, I'm going to try and take some time to let you guys know individually and say thank you for all the kind words and all the good thoughts. Even the people that are like, thank God he's leaving. Uh, I really laughed at those too. Itty Bitty Fitty sent me like five of those. He sent me one on Instagram at Nick Wilson says in my DM. He sent me once on Twitter, once on Facebook. He texted me like four times. I thought his phone was broken. But no, guys, and we are going to have a lot of fun in with six shows to go in the Nick Wilson show in Charlotte. And how fitting, how fitting 
All right, if I am the yin on Baker Mayfield, we're about to bring on the yang because I am a Baker boy. He is a Baker realist. He is Adam the Bull, uh, formerly of 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland, Ohio. And now with Adam, you can check out the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show streaming live on YouTube weekdays from 11 to 1. You can also hear his podcast, The Bullpen, with Adam the Bull on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. My guy, Adam the Bull on the guest line. What's up, buddy? Nick, congratulations on your new gig. I am very happy for you. I think it's creepy that you're asking people to slide into your DMs. It's a little weird, but I'm still happy for you nonetheless. Well, thank you. Thank you, my guy. And uh, don't knock it till you try it. That's right. I, I'm a little insulted that you mentioned everybody in your article but me, but I'll get over it eventually. Wait, like, you I, probably were banned. You probably were banned for mentioning it in there. Uh I, I didn't mention you in the article. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, I'm kidding. You know, it uh, looks like I'm going to have to hit the edit tab here real quick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, awkward. Uh, yes. Are you, you're not really excited. Listen, now that you're leaving Charlotte, admit it, Baker sucks, and you're glad that Carolina stuck with him. Come I, on now. I will not. I will not. I, I, I'm like clockwork orange. Every time you say Baker sucks, I'm going to clockwork orange your eyes open and make you watch 15 yep. games of Sam Darnold, and then you you and I can have the yeah. conversation of what truly no, sucks. I don't, you know, I don't think Baker sucks, but he's average. So congratulations. Carolina's gone from Teddy Bridgewater to Andy Dalton. Congratulations. There you go. <laughs> so I mean, that's basically what's happened here. Uh, They've gotten better, but not enough. I think the only way I disagree with you, Bull, is yeah. Andy Dalton was always physically I don't want to say limited because he's still a very like he's more talented than me at quarterback and throwing a football but like Baker's arm talent doesn't necessarily profile as a game manager as a average middle of the road quarterback that's still probably his best trait no I, I guess yeah I mean he does you know his arm is fine but I I don't know that he has I, I guess that's his best trait because what else would it be he's not accurate I keep hearing, I listen to national shows. I know you know this, but like I listen to national shows every once in a while and they always say, well, Baker's an accurate quarterback when he's never been accurate in the NFL. Who gives a rat? You know what, what he did in college. That's irrelevant. A lot of guys who were good, accurate quarterbacks in college that are not in the NFL. He's never been accurate in the NFL. He has the second most interceptions since coming in the league, the most turnovers since coming into the league. He's not a good athlete and he's not big. So there are a lot of flaws. I would say, said, yes, he is an upgrade from Sam Darnold. Yes, the, the, no the thing that I would say, though, is specific to yeah. any stats that talk about him since coming to the NFL. To me, yeah. the real story, I don't think you can really start to gauge who Baker was until the organization stabilized, which would be about two years ago. Well, he still threw a ton of picks last year. But he had a lot of turnovers. He did not play well. And then we're going to say, and then we can say, well, he was injured, but then, then we only get to grade him on his one good second half of a season. I don't know. I mean, I don't think you could give a total pass to a guy the first two years. I don't, I don't, I don't agree with that, but yeah, it's been a challenge with all the coaching staff changes. I agree with you, but he's not the first quarterback to have to deal with that challenge. And, uh, but, but no, in the end, I mean, I I agree with you. He is, uh, he's better than Sam Darnold. That's the best I could say. That is Man, when you want to talk about setting a bar for somebody, just don't be that awful. Uh, so let's get to, you know, yeah. there's a there's a lot of points that anybody can point to and say that was the straw that broke the camel's back. From the Browns yeah. side of things, what do you think was the, the moment where they decided they were no longer in the Baker Mayfield business? I think, 
I, I think it, it, it solidified in December with a couple of different things. I think the way he, or late in the season, where he, the way he handled that Lions game, if you remember, the Lions, obviously the Lions were awful last year, and he played terribly in that game, and they, they pulled it out, a slight victory. And he was really angry after the game because he, to me, cared more about his own performance than the team performance. And I think that soured some people. I think the fact that going into that last few weeks, he was highly critical of the head coach. I think going into that last game when he said before, you know, uh, when after they had won a game with Case Keenum and they, you know, forced his way back in there, and you can blame the coach for that too, and he didn't play well, and he played his worst football at the end there, and he played terrible against Green Bay, and then going into that last game after he was awful against the Steelers and got beat up, to be fair, he said, well, I'm going to have to talk with my people and this about playing in the last game. Well, a lot of other guys hurt who played to the end, to the final game, and he did. So I think he turned off a lot of people there. Uh, and I thought Jason Lloyd had some interesting stuff, comments today in The Athletic, and he'll be on our show today, uh, where he talked about you know the relationship souring between Baker and Stefanski over the last you know couple of months of the season when Baker was annoyed that Stefanski didn't come to a meeting. And then Stefanski really got locked in in those meetings after that and was very, you know, apparently continuously bringing up behind the scenes Baker's struggles. So things went south in a hurry. It's hard to believe that where we've gone and how things have changed in a year, but it certainly has. So now the question for the Browns, obviously, is when Watson's going to play. But, uh, but uh, you know, it, down the stretch, it really soured between the two. Adam the Bull of the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show on YouTube weekdays 11 to 1 and uh, also host of the Bullpen with Adam the Bull on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere you can get your podcast. Uh, he's on the guest line. We're talking about Baker Mayfield here in the acquisition. All right, so I, we, we did the Brown side of things. What, what was the point yeah. of no return? From Baker's side of things, where do you think was the point where – you know, in the event of a Deshaun Watson one-year suspension, it really was not an option for him. Yeah, I think I think from the moment the Browns even were rumored to be connected, Baker, from his perspective, wanted out. He immediately said that within 24 hours, even before the Browns traded for Watson, um, which I thought was weird because, like, Tua, Tua had to deal with rumors about Watson all last year and never said a word about it. Jimmy Garoppolo went to the NFC Championship game in the Super Bowl over the last few years, got pushed out by Trey Lance, and he just played. So I thought it was weird that Baker had that reaction, but I, I think that it, it was done for him for, at that point. Now, if the Browns had said, hey, you're going to play, there's nothing you could do, I think ultimately he would have caved. Because what's he going to do, hold out? I mean, that wouldn't benefit him at all. But fortunately, it didn't come to that. Uh, in, in that situation, and they were able to to move on. Not get much. I mean, for Carolina, it's a, it's a no-brainer. I mean, there is some upside there, and if he could put it together this year, then maybe they think about keeping him long-term. And if he's not, they paid him nothing and gave up very little. So Carolina was, it was actually a, a good move, I think. So let's dig into that, because there is yeah. a point in 2020 where the Browns had had settled on a formula that worked on the field for Baker, that worked for them, and they obviously they went to the playoffs for the first time in uh, almost 20 years right. and then got their first road playoff win since Bernie Kosar was king and since uh, Bill Belichick was a head coach. So I'll ask you, like, what is the winning formula? How do you succeed with Baker and get the best out of him? 
You have to protect him. The, 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 uh, he gets very skittish when he's under pressure. You know this. You've watched him play a million times. I know Carolina's offensive line was bad last year. I, I think they improved it this season. You would know better than me. I haven't paid close enough attention to what Carolina's done on their offensive line. But I know you. I know they drafted an uh, offensive lineman in the first round. They had the but, Sam uh, Darnold of offensive lines last year, Bull. <laughs> so, yeah, and it's okay. better now. So that, you know, you can't. If you have that, he's got no chance. Like he's, There are some quarterbacks, you know, some of the bigger – with Ben Roethlisberger, as much as I disdain him, you know, even if he had trouble on the line when he was in his prime, like he could deal with that. Baker can't deal with that. You know that. So Baker's got to have great protection and a great running game. So obviously we know how good McCaffrey is, but as, as you guys know – he hasn't been able to stay healthy the last two years. And uh, what's his name? Chuba Hubbard was pretty good. But I think if McCaffrey stays healthy and the offensive line is much better, then he's got a chance to be successful by rolling him out of the pocket, getting him in motion, doing the play action. If 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 McCaffrey's banged up and the offensive line is not improved, it's going to be a long year, with, with, even with him. Bull, let's he's look. definitely going to start, though, Nick, right? Like, I hear some people saying, it could be Darnold, it could be Corral. I'm like, no, it's going to be Baker, probably, almost definitely, right? If, if Matt Rule tries to, to start Sam Darnold week one, I will be driving yeah. down from Cleveland to personally yeah. fire himself before the game and anoint yeah, the special teams coach as an interim coach. So I'll ask you, so the Deshaun thing real quick here. Uh, yeah. Obviously, uh, Sue Robinson has heard both sides. We're just waiting on her decision. In the end, what do you think is the most likely punishment if there is one for Deshaun Watson? I've been saying for two months that I think Deshaun Watson is going to get eight games. I'm not changing that. I never bought this big talk of a full season. We, you know, according to Florio, now again, who knows for sure, but it has been confirmed by others, including Mary Kay Cabot, that it is true that in this in this uh, court proceedings or whatever it's called with, with judge Robinson, that there was no proof, no evidence of coercion of forced behavior, uh, or what's the other word I'm looking for? Uh, I can't think of the other word, Mike, you remember the other word undue influence, violence. no violence. Thank you. That was it. And so tell Mike, thank that, you. Uh, Nick says, thank you, Mike. Uh, <laughs> and because of that, I don't know how you can suspend him for a full year. I mean, the allegations sound bad, but it's not, you know, yet the cases got thrown out of court. Uh, do I buy he's completely innocent of everything? No, I don't. I think he's going to get a suspension, but I think it's going to end up being six to eight games. And, and anything, I mean, if it's six or less, that's a huge win for the Browns. If it's eight, it hurts a little more because they play the Ravens and Bengals week seven and eight, but I think they could survive up to an eight-game suspension for him and still make the playoffs potentially. Anything more than that, I think they're they're in trouble this year. Follow this man on the Twitter machine at Adam the Bull. Slide into his DMs. All right, don't don't just get yeah. into Big Daddy's DMs here. Slide into Adam the Bull's DMs at Adam the Bull and check out yeah. the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show streaming live on YouTube's uh, YouTube's. I'm old. Weekdays, yeah. uh, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Bull. Uh, I love you, hey, buddy. Nick, Thank you so much. All seriousness. All seriousness. I love you. I'm very, I'm very, you know this. I'm very happy for you. Very proud of you. I know you're going to do well here. All busting shops aside. Good luck. Congratulations. And uh, good luck moving in two days, by the way. Uh, Not two days from now, but, but over one weekend. And to the folks of Charlotte, Nick, I know loved his time there. And I know he's going to go out with, uh, you know, a ball of fury here in the last uh, six days. So uh, you'll you'll they'll always have a place in your, in your heart. I know that, but uh, 
I know you're excited to be coming home, and I know the fans are excited to have you back. I appreciate it all, my guy. And I could also use help moving in two days if you got it. No, I'm out. out. We're boys. You're my mentor. What are you saying? No, no. no, no, I'm not helping you move. Those days are long over for me. Once you turn 50, you don't help people move. Uh, That's fair. Be be good, my guy. All right, man. Talk to you later. See you, bud. At Adam the Bull on Twitter. Um, I love that guy. And uh, really do appreciate Appreciate his kind words as well. And uh, kind of bummed he's not going to help me move. Kind of a D move. Kind of a D move from Adam the Bull there. I've seen some reaction about what Adam had to say. I'll react to his thoughts on Baker Mayfield and and what they mean for the Carolina Panthers next on Sports Radio 92.7 FNC. Sports Radio 92.7 FNC. Welcome back to the Nick Wilson Show. Uh, Plenty to get to. We just had Adam the Bull on. And I I mentioned it going into that. Adam is the yang to my yin. I am very pro-Baker Mayfield. And I am very sensitive about the context around Baker Mayfield. And Bull Bull is not. Bull believes that, that Baker is an average quarterback and nothing more. And in kind of what you heard in, in the conversation is, um, I don't think that's necessarily like when I think of average quarterbacks, I think of guys who who are physically or mentally limited. Well, it, that's, that was that was really rough. I think Andy Dalton is mentally limited. Uh, boy, what a headline for today's show. Move over, Nick Wilson's leaving. Here is Andy Dalton. Mentally limited with Nick Wilson. <laughs> New show name. I, I, no, I think that's just been the, 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 the show subtext. I think anybody that's listened for four years knows I'm mentally limited. But no, what I mean is there is some sort of cap on who they are. Baker is a lot of what Adam the Bull had to say physically. He's not a big guy, although he is thick. I'm going to tell you right now, thick with two C's. All right, yeah, Bailey, sorry, move over. There's a new ass in town, fella. So there is. Baker is a little bit, I, I would call him stocky. He's not incredibly athletic. Like, it. I'll just say it. Four years ago, I didn't want him to be the number one pick by the Cleveland Browns. Because I thought his best trait was the fact that he'd love to say bleep you to literally everyone. If you if you gave Baker Mayfield a C plus in English in third grade, and then you spent the rest of your time with him, giving him compliments and loving Baker Mayfield remembers that C plus. He deserved a B minus at the worst. Damn it. That is a, Baker's attitude, the chip on the shoulder. I think that is maybe his most elite trait. But the difference between Baker and Andy Dalton or Baker and whatever mid-ass quarterbacks you think of, Case Keenum, all due love and respect to the Keenan, uh, Keenum clan, I, I think Baker Mayfield's arm is not quite elite, but I think it's really, really good. And I think a lot of the struggles, because, you know, Bull has referred to Baker in the context of his four years in Cleveland. I don't think it's fair to mention the full four years in Cleveland and use his stats against him for that whole time without acknowledging the context. He walked into a head coach that shouldn't have gotten a third year in Hugh Jackson, who got fired, who refused to play him, even though he was the better player, 
Uh, they when he started playing him. Then Hugh Jackson got fired halfway through the season. They turned the head coaching job over to Greg Williams, specifically because they weren't going to hire him. They won a bunch of games at the end of the year, only to then the next year hire the offensive coordinator, who was the interim offensive coordinator in Freddie Kitchens, as the new head coach, and say goodbye to Greg Williams. That was a disaster. And then, oh, by the way, come around to year three, and he's on his fourth head coach, and fourth signal caller. That, to me, is why, to me, the first two years of Baker Mayfield, which were a lot of up and down, that is fair to say. I strike him from the record. The Browns' dysfunction, to me, has to be quoted when you talk about the arc of Baker Mayfield in Cleveland. And we can get into, well, I threw some picks last year. He was also wearing a brace that was hindering him. He said it wasn't. I don't care. I watched the guy a year before. He was not the same quarterback. He was not throwing the same way. He was not comfortable throwing the ball. And I think the reason why you don't hear stuff like that is because Adam lived it. I lived it from 550 miles away. And I think Baker is a really tough guy to be objective about if you're covering. Because he does have a chip on his shoulder. Because he doesn't always play nice with the media. Although I don't think Adam and him have any run-ins. And I, I don't want to suggest that Bull is is, is biased or anything like that. Because he's got a very a, a, a valid opinion of Baker. But I see a lot. A lot of the things that people said about Sam Darnold and just excused away. Sam Darnold's abject terribleness. A lot of the things that I think you can say about what happened, that, that he was part of the terribleness in New York. I think when you get to Cleveland, Baker Mayfield was the best quarterback Cleveland had for 20 years. The only reason it made sense to me to upgrade is because Deshaun Watson is one of the five most talented, best quarterbacks in the NFL, in my opinion. And it is a no-brainer. If you've got a quarterback that you're not sure if he's a franchise quarterback and you can get one, you do it. That's just the way the NFL has worked. It's why uh, Kansas City went from Alex Smith to Pat Mahomes. It's why San Francisco has gone from Jimmy Garoppolo to trying to go to Trey Lance. Coaches are no longer willing to die with mid-quarterbacks or guys who are not definitive franchise quarterbacks, which Baker to this point has not been. I would also rebut that with, I don't know Baker is definitively incapable of being a franchise quarterback. Because one, I think his arm is near elite. Two, I think a lot of Baker's problems on the field watching him. And Odell Beckham Jr.'s dad became really famous for this. Uh, what was it, last season? Odell Beckham Jr.'s dad posted a video of, of Baker basically choosing to not throw to his son and throw farther down the field and throw into double coverage. Some of that, I think, was Baker really didn't trust Odell Beckham Jr. Because Odell Beckham Jr. is a chotch. It's funny that now Odell Beckham Jr. went to L.A., won, you know, the Rams won the Super Bowl, and all of a sudden o OBJ isn't a chotch. He's a diva. He's a chotch. And he hasn't been the same player since, like, year three in New York. And I think Odell Beckham Jr. was disruptive in the locker room. Much more so than Baker Mayfield. 
It's just Odell Beckham Jr. wasn't feuding with a head coach, which is what Bull alluded to. So everybody's pointed to that. I don't think he trusted Odell Beckham Jr. Quite frankly, I don't think he trusted too many people in that organization. And why would he? His first three years in the NFL, he had four different head coaches, four different signal callers, um, a, a roster turned over two or three times, and all the guy did go, year three was go and win the first playoff game in over 26 years in Cleveland, the first road playoff game in over 26 years. Take them to their first playoff game overall since 2003, the days of Tim Couch and Kelly Holcomb. Who the hell can forget that? So I get why people in Cleveland are negative. Cleveland People in Cleveland tire of drama, especially if you're Bull. And Bull at the time was doing five hours a day on it. I get being tired of the drama with Baker Mayfield. But I also think that it, there's been so much talk about it. I think what Baker really is is a fall guy for the expectations in Cleveland. And he's an easy fall guy because he carries that chip on his shoulder. I, I don't know about you guys. I want a quarterback that gives a damn. I want a quarterback that, that puts his heart out there. I want a quarterback that works real hard. And I have long grown tired of the NFL and their constraints on what a quarterback should look like and talk like and act like. I don't give a flying fadoodle. Do not care what Baker says. Do not care what Baker does. Here's what I care. Baker wins. And that's what he did. Look at his record over the last four years. It ain't, it's not the prettiest one in the NFL. Put it in the context of Cleveland, though. That's where Bull and I disagree. I think he walked into the worst situation in the NFL, and I thought he did as reasonably well. You put Sam Darnold in Cleveland, I think the results are probably the same they were in New York, which was a lot of losing and getting the number two pick and number one pick and number three pick and all that crap. I don't know if you put Josh Allen in the context that Baker Mayfield walked into. I don't think Josh Allen is the quarterback he, he ended up being in Buffalo. Lamar Jackson is an electric talent. I don't know Lamar is put in the best position. I don't know Lamar starts year one, considering uh, Hugh Jackson's goofy ass was making weird decisions left and right and trying to get himself fired. I, that was the, I don't know he's trying to get himself fired. He just made so many dumb decisions, I'm assuming. It's okay to look at Baker and say, I don't know if he's a franchise quarterback. It's okay to look at Baker and say, well, he's got some limitations. All those things are fair to say. But I got to be honest with you guys. People are giving the Cleveland Browns the organization a lot of credit for going to the playoffs two years ago and saying these aren't the same old Browns without acknowledging the reason that they went to the playoffs is the guy they just traded on the low for $5 million and either a fourth or fifth round pick. So I saw uh, there were some people on the text line that I saw getting really pissed about what Bull had to say. I totally get it. I think Bull's got completely valid points, and I understand his, his vantage point. I just think I'm a little bit more impartial. I come off as a Baker fanboy because I just don't completely destroy him at every turn like uh, knuckleheads in the national media do. I think Baker's in the right spot. 
I think the Panthers have a situation very akin, maybe not as much talent, but very akin to what Baker had in 2022 when he had the best moment of his career and the best moment in Cleveland football since 2003. That's a hell of a place to start. That's a hell of a lot better than a lot of the other places we've started the last couple of years here. I don't really have a question on that. I just really wanted to react to what Adam had to say there. In the meantime, we got a lot more to share. Got to continue to rehash the big story of the day. But we can't do it before we get to the latest Hack Song of the Week next on Sports Radio 92.7 FNZ.